You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan 135 with Tim Robertson and David Cohen. Is innovation dead? Is it dying? What's going on? That's the topic this week. Check it out. is tech fan number 135 i am tim robertson and once again david cohen hello so uh i missed you last week buddy yeah i missed it too uh, i was you know it's one of those things where you listen to it and wishing you could participate <laughs> it was yeah. a fun conversation with owen i always yeah. like when he's on the show i always enjoy yeah. it it go always goes in different directions it kind of meanders because he's always because he's got so much experience and you know, a view, different viewpoint of the world is really fun. True, but by the same token, I'm a lot alike. We're a lot alike. Yeah. But then again, so are you and I. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, different people. And I think, you know, I, I enjoy talking to different people. But the core, you and I hosting the show is what I enjoy the most. Yeah. But, you know, I think it'd be nice to get some other people on the show occasionally here and there. Sure. Um. I was reading, jumping right into things, this article on Wired, and it's about BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who haven't been keeping up, uh, BlackBerry is going to be acquired. They're a Canadian company. They're going to be acquired by, um, was it an insurance company? But it's uh, basically... They're, well, they're, 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 they're Canadian finance people. So uh, they are, I mean, whatever their core business is, they're kind of money guys. Yeah. They're, not, they're not tech guys, that's for right. sure. So, Financial holding company, yeah. So they're looking at this as, um, they're not looking at BlackBerry to say, hey, we could turn it around. They're looking no. at it as, oh, there's pieces here that's going to be valuable. Well, apparently the, the CEO of this company used to be on the BlackBerry board. So... Um, <laughs> It's hard to say. I mean, you you hear financial holdings, you think, oh, well, it's just going to be an asset strip. You know, they're going to take the things they can sell on somebody else and then make some money. But having said that, if they have a guy who's formerly on the BlackBerry board, maybe he's got more insights to the business than somebody else. But he doesn't immediately jump out as you as, oh, well, they are going to, you know, transform the mobile phone industry. No. This this company's doing that to uh, to take them over, you know, for the, for that. Um, I I'd be I'd be up if I if I relied on BlackBerry as a solution at the moment, I'd be upset. Oh, yeah, to say the least. I would have been upset for the last few years, to be honest. Well, yeah, but I would be particularly upset now because now it you know once it changes hands, it's like really all bets are off. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the thrust of this article is. The demise of BlackBerry is heralding in the demise of innovation in the cell phone market. Yeah. I'd, and that, that's like, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just, just without having read the article, I have it in front of me here, but I'm not read it yet. Um, without having read the article, just that headline makes you think, well, how do you get from, that's like saying two plus two equals zero. Well, let you know, me read like, you a well, Here's few... one thing plus another thing equals something that doesn't appear to make any sense at all. Well, let me give you a couple of excerpts. As BlackBerry disappears from view, something much larger than the demise of one company is underway in the mobile market. The end of BlackBerry isn't just about the end of BlackBerry. This could be the end of any radical innovation in the mobile, in mobile period. Even Apple has run its course. Where else can it go? Let's just stop right there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love? I love r- online writers or magazine writers who purport to be an expert in an industry like this when clearly they're not. And that they think, well, since I can't think of anything radical and new, then nobody probably is. You know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah, because like, this I can't conceive it, therefore it can't possibly exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
a little farther down the new iphones look like the old iphones they sound like the old iphones they do the same thing as the old iphones only slightly better more colorful and less expensively than the i and then the old iphones mike buchanan wrote in the new york times last week phones have mutated uh, i'm sorry have matured to the point that until a truly radical breakthrough in computing technology occurs there's not much left to improve on <laughs> no. well, let's face it the problem is that if this guy really had true insight into the cell phone industry he would not be writing for wired he would be working for somebody making things in the cell phone industry you know where does what's this guy's track record for this uh, you know what what's his what's his visionary experience to be able to say these things you know and just looking through some of his old posts older posts i think this kind of you know something has happened therefore this means the end is a bit of a trend yeah you know but here that's we have been going yeah. on though why a killer twitter ipo could end up killing twitter the iphone's fingerprint sensor may finally mean the end of the pin <laughs> best buy is back or is it just the walking dead i mean this is clearly the only type of article well you know it's one of his major themes of articles is this has happened therefore the end of something must be nigh yeah and he's actually really like one of those guys walking down the street with a sandwich board on his shoulder saying the end is nigh i mean that's basically his shtick what cracks me up is if we go back (coughs) any length of time and look at the articles that were being written by people like this you see the same things. But let's yeah. go back 20 years, right before I started MyMac.com. What was the technology landscape like? Then jump ahead 10 years. So go from 94 to 2004. Was it any different? Yeah. <laughs> was there any innovation? Uh, yeah, I would say a whole lot. Now let's go from 2004 to 2014, since we're only a few short months away from there. Has there been any innovation in computing in the last 10 years. Yeah, an incredible amount. The iPad, the iPhone. Um, Some people would even say, you know, the the Chromebook represents a a departure. It's an operating system that's wholly dependent upon the cloud. So, yeah, that's pretty radical. Yeah. The, The paradigms have shifted. We no longer look at this new machine is coming out, and boy, it's twice as fast as the old one. You have to get this. This machine is so powerful that it's going to change the way you work and it's going to make things easier. We don't do that anymore. When's the last time we looked at specs for RAM and and processor speeds in new computers or cell phones or whatever? We don't look at that anymore. No. We look at the human element of these devices. What do they do for us? And that's a huge paradigm shift. And I would suggest that innovation in that kind of environment rather than just a megahertz hardware race is more interesting and has more room for growth than the other way around yeah i i don't i don't when you make it about the users and how we use things and how we accomplish tasks with these devices there's much more room for innovation and growth isn't there well, of course there is. I mean, you, 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 instead of instead of just um, you know iterating some fairly narrow parameters to bring improvements, you know you you can, as Apple just did, you can change the entire operating system and make it completely different. And it is you know, iOS seven is completely different. If yeah. you go back, if after a short amount of time, and I've been living with iOS seven now for what two weeks. Mm-hmm. You go back to iOS 6, 6 <laughs> and it feels clunky. It, yeah. feel, it feels, you know what? It, I couldn't put my finger on it. You know what it felt like to me? It felt fat. It felt yeah. fat to me. I was well, like, it Ugh. feels, it does feel primitive compared to what we have now because the what what iOS 7 has achieved is is it, it's really taken the entire thing from bottom to top and polished every single piece of it. Whereas before there were incremental improvements here, there and everywhere, and new features being brought in and everything like that, this really has looked at everything from the bottom to the top and said, does the way this work make sense in the modern world? And if it doesn't, how can we change it? 
And a lot of the things that people kind of, when they first saw the betas and the and the uh, WWDC presentations on iOS 7, have crit- a lot of things people criticized. Oh, you know, and we're not sure whether just having text labels instead of proper buttons with arrows on them is a good idea and this, that, and the other. Those things have all been refined as well to the point that now it's it's hard to hard to believe but it it feels more intuitive than it did before and it was already hugely intuitive um you know i think i think os7 is a tremendous piece of work it's not perfect but it is a tremendous piece of work whereas you look at something like blackberry um with their product and they've you know they've tried several times i've i've been a long time blackberry user for a long time my company we had blackberries as our corporate devices in fact there are still people in my company who carry those so i've seen pretty much every model blackberry's produced since 2000 2001 when they produced the first all in one smartphone and and pager device yeah and yeah and despite the fact that they've polished they've refined the actual experience has been pretty much the same the only thing they've been able to change is you know the specs of the devices the displays they've changed the keyboards a little bit to try and make them easier to use they've moved they used to have a click wheel and uh, back in the old days they moved from that to first of all to a trackpad and a and a, and a kind of a, a mouse wheel to to full touch but essentially even with the latest ones with uh, until you got to blackberry 10 which effectively is a knockoff of of ios uh, until you got to blackberry 10 it was pretty much the same as it always been and you know that is it, that just goes to show there's you know when you constrain the hardware and the interface then there's only so many things you can do to improve and that really has been blackberry's problem and what they've done with blackberry 10 has come way way too late to to save them and the other thing as well is that you look at BlackBerry's subscriber numbers over the over the years. They're currently even even now with it, with all the problems they've had in uh, 2012 was their largest subscriber base number, and it's only 79 million. Yeah, yeah. That, that's far less than Apple sells in iPhones in a quarter. Yep. Yeah. Despite the fact that this guy is is. Putting it forward, saying, you know, BlackBerry, who were an early leader in in mobile devices, and they were, yeah, don't get me wrong, they absolutely were. The BlackBerry was fairly revolutionary when it came out because it was popular. It was the first time you went from having a phone in your pocket to having your phone and your email in the in your pocket. What they didn't do is exploit that and say, well, actually, what else can we provide? Because they were concentrating the enterprise market, and as far as they're concerned. Email and phone was pretty much anybody in the enterprise would ever want. They didn't want anything else. So they didn't have the vision to see the idea for apps, the idea for decent web, the idea for corporate web apps, the idea for any sort of, you know, different functionality. Yeah, they didn't have that vision. And that's what's killed them. But the point is, even when they were really starting to ramp up in the mid-2000s, yeah, they had five, six million subscribers, active BlackBerry users, you know, it was tiny. It was absolutely tiny compared to what Google, um, Samsung, Apple are doing nowadays because they were purely enterprise-focused. So to, to say that the demise of BlackBerry is the demise of innovation in the in smartphone industry is a completely overplay. Well, he didn't say quite that. Bill- he said it, it could – it heralds the demise, and it's, it's bigger than just BlackBerry folding, but that – this is one of those things that happen that open people's eyes that the he's, whole industry is he's implying that there's a crash coming yes yeah um just like we had the video game crash of the 80s um you know the internet crash of the of the late 90s early 2000s he's implying that that, that a big bubble has blown up and blackberry being the first in first inflator of this bubble is now the first to go and everyone's going to fall down afterwards but the point is i think to do that completely overplays blackberry's position yeah. in the market right. and it overplays their their position their historical position in the market well thankfully almost nobody reads wired <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be cruel, but nobody reads Wired anymore. Uh, continuing a little bit farther down, Wired's, and I'm reading this kind of turning my head to the side so it's not easy and I'm not close to that screen really. Uh, Wired's Matt Hornan, or Honan picked up on this theme of mobile mudanity. Uh, mudanity? Um, he, mean, he means basically saying, oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, phone yeah. was mundane, yeah. yeah. Uh, when the original I'm sure iPhone, mundanity is a word, yeah. Right. 
when, yeah, when the original iPhone 5 was announced, he pointed to the paradox of experiencing a device such as the iPhone, a radical depart- departure not just in computing, but ultimately in the conduct of daily life that didn't even exist a decade ago, and finding it boring, even while understanding what an incredible feat of human ingenuity it represents. That has almost nothing to do with Apple and everything to do our, with our expectations, he said. Really, you find it boring. Here, well, no, here's here's the thing I th- that I I've, I've read Honan's article. Yeah. I remember that article, and actually, I think that the way this guy has used that to illustrate his point is also wrong. Because what Honan was saying was he was he was really making us taking a swipe at the tech press who say, oh well, it's only got this on it, it's only got that on it, it's it's no good. When in fact he was contrasting with the fact that most people, uh, most consumers. Are, are are continually amazed by these phones, and Absolutely. I think the uh, you and know goes back well, to my point I, that nobody yeah. that these these people who write these articles don't don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. Well, they, you know what they, they, they don't interact with the real people using the real devices in the real world no, at they all. They sit there in an office and yep. they're sent their UPS package every week with four brand new phones in. Mm-hmm. And they go, uh, and they're very very jaded. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I will say it's more than that. But let me finish this real quick. A collective meh accompanied the unveiling of the iPhone 5S and 5C, which boasted only incremental improvements over the iPhone 5. And yet, Apple says it sold 9 million of these devices upon their official release this past weekend. This totally blows away the old record and promises more big profits from Apple. So let's stop there for a second. It was not met with a collective meh. Maybe in your your well, no, it wasn't wired the press. offices... uh, To be fair, it was in the press. I think an awful lot of people in the tech press said, oh, well, you know, they haven't made the screen bigger. They, uh, you know, it's not more like a Samsung Galaxy. All they've done is they've made it faster and put a touch sensor on it. Yeah. And and that was kind of a lot of the reviews from non-enthusiastic Apple people. And then the first weekend numbers came out and it turned out that Apple didn't so much hit a home run as they hit the ball into the orbit. You know, this was double. The, the iPhone 5 was the was up to that point was their biggest weekend release, and yep. it's doubled. Yep. Uh, and now and, they're and saying that's because people were coming off their contracts from when they bought a 4S two years ago. Rubbish. And I say rubbish as well, and here's proof of Just not my opinion, just not your opinion. Here's proof. Verizon and, a, no, not Verizon, uh, T-Mobile and AT&T are the first two companies to have a new plan that... For a couple extra bucks a month, you can upgrade your phone on a yearly basis. Why would they do that, David? Well, because people want the new phone when it comes out, year after year. Yeah, That's why. Basically, and and I see this in my company, I see this among my group of friends, yeah. Every time a new device comes out, people's first brand loyalty is to to the, the brand they already have. Yeah. Yep. So if people are Samsung Galaxy users, when it goes from the S3 to the S4, they look at it and decide whether they'd like to upgrade to it. And if they decide they want to upgrade to it, then what they do is they go to their cell phone provider and said, just just out of interest, you know, just suppose I was thinking about finishing my contract early so I could get a new upgrade device. How much would that cost me? Mm-hmm. And then they take a judgment call on whether they want to do that or not. And most of them now, didn't want to because it most, was cost prohibitive. No well, question. exactly. I think with the iPhones, there are there are people who, who want to do that, who want to break that contract. I suspect a lot of people don't. But I think there's an awful lot of people who are using different devices who every to every year when Apple launches a new iPhone... Every year they say, well, should I switch? Should I switch? And I think every year, as Apple improves the iPhone, you get more and more people doing it. Because and I it's think getting it, better and better and better. Because it's getting better and better. And I think particularly with the 5S, it's offered a lot of features this year round, which appeal to people. Um, you know, it adopts, it's, it's going to be much more useful for this bring-your-own-device movement, where yep. people actually say, rather than the company giving me a phone, you buy your own phone and then you bring it in and use it on company, company servers. The 5S is really good for that. The lot of the improvements in iOS 7, they haven't got a lot of press, but I noticed because I checked straight away, you know, small things like the fact that the email client now has much improved if you're using it with Exchange, such that in the past, if you didn't have an online connection, you couldn't file your mail. 
you couldn't you could delete mail but what you couldn't do is you couldn't file it into folders right because you needed to have an online connection for that not anymore now you can do it whatever you want. You can pretty much manage all your mail from your iPhone. And the, word, the way the client works, the client will now read uh, zipped attachments, which a lot of businesses will send. If you've got four or five documents, say Word documents, most people will zip or, or Outlook itself will automatically zip them into a single attachment and put them into a mail and send them to somebody. On, on the old, on iOS 6, you couldn't see those attachments. It was like they weren't there. Now it opens them up and allows you to review all the documents inside. All of these things are improvements that actually help business users and i suspect a good chunk of these nine million people are people who've said you know what the iphone is the phone i want because i can now use it for home and for business oh and it's got the other kick-ass features like the camera and all this that and the other yeah the camera really is a, a killer feature on there i've yeah i've been touting that since day one with the very yeah. first iphone and, and, and you know live with the iphone uh, s now 5s yeah. for a couple weeks it really is a fantastic yeah. camera. And, really and the is. thing with the camera as well is that, yes, it's not as good as the one on the, the Lumia 1020, which has got that crazy 41 million sensor. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and it, it's, it is pretty much on a par with the um, the Samsung does a Galaxy S with a an actual bigger lens on the back that kind of sticks out, makes it a little bit look like a compact camera. It's actually nearly as good as that. But the point is it does all of that without actually having a big-ass lens stuck out the back like those other two phones do. And, and for, I, I think and that's it very an ecosystem yeah. that is so much better. I'm talking about the apps and everything else that goes with the iPhone. Um, I think a lot of this, though, and, and I've mentioned this in the past, and there's other people out there who talk about this often as well. It's this attitude of what have you done for me lately that it's writers that never produced anything in their life, never created a job for another person, never did anything but write their selfish, indulgent little articles without yeah. giving anything back. And, eh, this is slightly better. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sick of that. I really yeah. am. I, I always reminds me of, um, I think what's happening now is that, that there are sects of the tech blogging press. They're like restaurant critics. Yeah. Yeah, oh, a absolutely. restaurant critic. Great analogy. Is, yeah, is a person who can't cook, doesn't cook. <laughs> they have what they consider to be a very, very refined palate. Yeah. And what they do is they go into restaurants where they don't have to pay because their um, employer picks up the tab. Yeah, and they eat a meal that fifteen people have slaved over. You know, have sweated blood and tears to produce uh, a commercial cost that satisfies the palate that meets their clients expectations in a hot kitchen working late into the night cleaning up rat droppings and all these other things that you have to do when you work in a commercial kitchen yeah maintaining superb levels of hygiene making the food look nice and they sit there and they eat it and they sometimes they go that was nice and sometimes they go oh i didn't really like that well sometimes they go oh, well, it didn't really suit the wine and sometimes they go oh well i've had better in other places and perhaps it was very poor value and basically they can what they think they can do is they can blow up or destroy people's careers on the basis of the words coming out of their typewriters well, yeah they can, and, though, it, unfortunately. And, and it's and it's completely disconnected from the reality of what people do yep you know yeah. now some people can say what about the hypocrisy tim you own mymac.com you guys produce a lot of reviews you've personally done over a thousand technology reviews uh since you know the early 90s to which I say I've always approached reviews, whether I'm talking about a product here on TechFan or writing one at my Mac, which I haven't done in a while, to be honest. I've always approached it from one standpoint and one standpoint only. The consumer standpoint. Someone is thinking about buying this. Should they buy it? That's it. That's the only criteria that I use. Yeah. <clears throat> is it too much money? If, if this is the product and I'm going to go buy it and it costs X number of dollars... Is it worth X number of dollars? Does yeah. the product perform the way I thought it was going to perform by looking at the advertising that they put out there on this product? That I've always taken it from the consumer point of view. And when yeah. I've given a bad review, or one of our writers have, and the company that sent us the product wasn't happy, too bad. 
because it, this isn't about this review isn't about you or your product necessarily. It's about the consumer who's laying down hard-earned money, and they yeah. have choices to make. Do I get this? Do I get A, B, or C? I don't know which one I should get. Well, here's a review by someone or a group of people who are looking at this product, hopefully from your point of view. Would this be something you would use that you should buy? And that's it. That's as far as it goes. Uh, and also as well, I mean, we, 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 I know we used to do them occasionally, but we've never really be, been big on these opinion, opinion editorial pieces at my Mac. Not really. I mean, no. we've done some, but they're so difficult because you have to be genuine. And I understand people have different opinions on things, but so often they come across as whiny or self-indulgent. Yeah. I think I think the problem with, with people like this guy is this guy's writing op-ed three, four times a week. Yeah. You can't do that. No. You just can't. Nobody do has that. that many opinions. <laughs> nobody has, or nobody has that many valuable opinions. Right, and you, yeah, let's. You could argue that this po podcast is is opinion editorial. Sure, the whole thing is, and it, and it is. Yeah, but the point is, it's not opinion editorial from the fact that people are sending us stuff all the time and we're pontificating on it. Most of the stuff we talk about, we buy ourselves. Yeah. Now, and, now we could say, however, in all honesty, David, we could get free stuff shipped to us every single day. I've been doing this long enough that I know all the PR companies. I know I, all the marketing companies. I know a lot of people in a lot of different companies that would gladly send us something all the time for review. And just recently, I had something sent out that, that ScanMate from Kodak, yeah. uh, the Akito hard drives, you know, th those were sent to me for review. And it was fun, but I didn't necessarily go out of my way to get them. Yeah. But we don't we don't really do a lot of that here on TechFan. No. Because it's while it's important sometimes to do product reviews and stuff like that on a show, if that's what you do, it's always just a bit about two guys that really love technology talking. And yeah. it's from our love of technology that we form our opinions. Is this good or is this bad? based on our expectations. And I think yeah. our expectations are much more aligned to the average consumer than shows like Leo Laporte stuff, where yeah. they're so highbrow, they're so putting themselves on pedestals, you know, talking about, oh, you know, I spent $50,000 on this new system. Who the hell spends $50,000? Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you, how does anybody listening to this relate? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, we're just regular people yes we i'm i've been podcasting since podcasting started but i've never put myself on any kind of a pedestal like oh look i'm important bullshit yeah. i'm just a guy yeah you're just a guy yeah we love technology we love gadgets we love video games we love computers and cell phones and i love printers i think they're cool i wish printing software was better because that's always sucked yeah uh, I, I love the fact that I could take this piece of paper, put it on this piece of glass, and now I've got it on my computer after it scanned it in. That's cool. And I, st I still love tinkering with stuff and playing with stuff. I'm not going to root an iPhone for weeks like you did, but or uh, an Android device. But I love this kind of stuff. I love talking yeah. about it. When I'm by myself, I love tinkering with things. I like showing my kids new things and get the, getting yeah. them excited about it. That's what the show's about. And when we're disappointed in something, it comes from a real genuine place, not this crap that you see up on Wire, this article, that's just this, eh, it's, it's this incremental improvements. No, the fingerprint thing on the new iPhone is pretty freaking amazing, dude. Oh, well, I tell you, I, I got a chance to play with a 5S this week. Somebody I know bought one. So I got him. That was the first thing I got him to show, show me. Now, on, on my new company laptop, we have fingerprint sensors. And I'm probably the only one in the company who set it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, because that, that's, just, that's just me. But the point is, it's rubbish compared to the one on the iPhone. Sure. It's one of those ones where you have to swipe your finger over it. Um, and, yeah, three times out of five, it probably unlocks the computer straight away. The rest of the time, it says you didn't do it right. or You've got to do it again and again and again. Now, don't get me wrong, it's still normally a little bit easier than putting the password in, um, particularly as I have quite a long password for my corporate account. But it's, it's night and day compared to the, to the sensor in the iPhone 5. Yep. 
And uh, it's all very well people saying, oh, well, you know, it's not really that radical. If it's not that radical, how come nobody ever has used a, has, has produced a capacitive touch sensor that you can just touch and it turns, turns the thing around straight away? Which well, is exactly what you need in a mobile phone. Well, here's the you, other part that I've had. I've heard people say, well, Apple doesn't really innovate anymore. Apple is the only company that's doing stuff like this. They're the only ones that are completely blowing up their own market, their own software, their own hardware to do something totally different. Who else is doing that? Nobody. Nobody. iOS 7 is really a complete departure from six versions of the operating system. You want to talk about a huge, huge, a massive risk, David. You realize how risky that is? Do you think Microsoft would do that? No. Well, now they kind of have to because, but they don't have any market share. It's it's yeah. real easy to try new things when nobody's buying your shit. Yeah. But if everybody is buying your stuff, well, no, Microsoft's a good example because look at the risk they have taken with the Windows Eight. Yeah. They've tried to bolt on a completely new way of doing computing. It's not going so well for them. No. You know. But they didn't innovate really when they were top of the hill. No. It was only when macOS got so much better. Or when the iPhone came out and it was so much better and tablets came out and they were so much... Because let's back up for a second. Remember, Microsoft was doing tablets way before anybody else. Yeah. They were, I had, I've, I've had several of them yeah. and they were, all, they were all pretty much the same and they were fine. But it was, that, it was that kind of deal where you said, yeah, the tablet stuff's nice, but 95% of the time I'm going to use it like a regular laptop. Yeah. They never... They never, with very few exceptions, did anyone have the guts to actually produce a thing that was just a slate with no keyboard and uh, no mouse. And effectively, you had to rely on the touch because it wasn't good enough. That's right. And then Apple came along and they basically said, well, we're going to do a device just like that. Um, and we're going to, we're so, you know, Steve Jobs even said it. He said, if you have a stylus, then if you see a stylus, you know they blew it. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and, Everyone thought it was going to be a disaster. And look what it turned out to be. It reinvented that market. It's That's amazing. what innovation is, is reinventing a market doesn't necessarily mean coming up with something necessarily new. It's about doing things right. There's yep. a difference. And making it better and better and better. Yeah. And then if there is a new market and you dominate it the way Apple has since the beginning, since they came out with the iPhone, just dominated touch computing. And, and reaffirm that in 2010 with the iPad. To completely take a chance, just a few short years later, to blow up the entire operating system and coming out with something radically new and different like iOS 7 is unheard of in a lot of, in, in most industries. Yeah. In most industries. And I think it's... It's refreshing, and it's look. Everyone says, "Well, you know, they're, they're, it's going to be successful because Apple's doing it." No, that's just not the case. Oh, I, I think there's, there's several areas where Apple are not doing so well. I think I think on the desktop side, um, you know, you could argue the iMac is even with the change in the made to it, it's starting to get long in the tooth. Um, certainly, it's taken them a hell of a long time to come up with a new Mac Pro. Yeah, uh, and even now they've kind of shown it's the public the thing's still not out there so yeah i'm I'm sure it's going to be great but in fact you could suggest perhaps the jury's out till till they ship um the the apple tv which you and i both love yeah i've got all three versions of it one two and three that's the point it's changed substantially since the original concept uh and really it's actually in terms of how it functions it's changed two or three times Mm mm-hmm um, and it's certainly not a blockbuster product the way that the iPhone and the uh, and the iPad are. So you know this isn't a case that Apple Apple can touch. Yeah, everything Apple touches turns to gold. Not at all. But uh, th- I think they, you know, they uh, for every miss they do, they have a few hits that uh, that really do hit. Yeah, but my point is though that they keep taking chances. I mean, yeah. they just completely released a brand new operating system. Do you know how risky that is Yeah. for an absolutely. installed base of hundreds of millions? That's crazy dangerous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but they do it. They do it. And, and, and not, not only that, the adoption numbers for iOS 7 look very good. Mm-hmm. So it's not a case of people are worried about it. Most people now are at the point of saying, well, yeah, I'll go for it. Yeah. We've not heard. Well, look how many people upgraded to iOS 7 immediately the yeah. day it came out. It slowed the entire internet down. Yeah, and and we've not heard what we've not heard any sort of 
iOS gate, Mm-mm. which is the sort of thing that the tech press would, would you know, if there was something majorly wrong with it that was causing people a lot of problems, we would have heard it by now, and we're not hearing it. Right. So now, some actually, people that, say, well, um, they just reskinned iOS. It's not that big a deal. No, it is a big deal. It is a I, huge I've deal. I noticed straight away by going for going from on my iPhone 5 that, you know, there were a few things with the last couple of versions of iOS 6 I was seeing a bit of juddering, a bit of slowdown. Yep. Now, the mail client particularly was having trouble talking to our Office 365 server, and you would get these long pauses while it was trying to pick mail up. Um, the thing locked up on me a couple of times. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that happens. You kind of, you never really know where it's come from. You kind of write it off, or maybe I've got a bad app running or something like that. You know, as soon as I went to iOS 7, it was it was obvious that that was some areas where the underneath the hood they'd fixed a lot of problems because you know what it runs so smoothly and it's not just the animations and all of that you can tell that actually things are working properly my email is always there as soon as i go into the mail client i'm not waiting for it to connect i'm i'm just getting a lot less spinning and waiting than i used to get um i the itunes app store on on ios 6 was terrible yep you go into it and you click on purchases if you wanted to download something you purchased previously sometimes you'd be sat looking at a blank screen for like 30 40 seconds yep now it's instant so and there's a lot going on underneath they fixed and then also think that it's not just a new operating system to run on the older iPhones they have a new device that's a 64 bit processor in there that's not an easy thing to transition to how long did that take in computers well, Microsoft's been trying to people move move people to sixty four Windows since XP. Right. So yeah, um, and really, they've only just achieved it in the last year or so, I would say. But you would uh, never know that there's a sixty four bit chip in there by the operating system. That's, that's the whole point: is that Apple is supremely good at moving people to different underlying platforms without making them realize it. And so you get the benefit without a whole great big decision point, without having to go in and, well, do I need to buy the 32-bit, the 64-bit version of this? Of this, People don't have to know, and so they don't have to care. Yep. And, and let's face it, why should the average consumer have to worry about the, you know, some deep internal architectural configuration of the device they're using? And that goes back to what I said earlier, that the innovation happening in technology now is from a consumer or a user standpoint, rather than this has got more megahertz than the last one did. Yeah. It's not a hardware innovation, although I will suggest that that's still going on as well, but it's a hardware in conjunction with the software. It's not just about the box sitting there in your hand or on your shelf or at your desk. It's about what it does and how it does it. We demand as consumers now a better experience. And if you want proof of that, Litter your desk with things that came out in the mid-90s and tech-wise and see how easy they were to use. Yeah. You know, go, go get yourself a, a, a Palm. Yeah. You know, go, go get one and install go, the software on your... Uh, yeah, not only that, try and, try and get it talking to your computer. Yeah, have fun. Even if you have an old computer of the same vintage, yeah, you, people forget you used to have to put arcane serial come on modem simulators into the things to get them just to talk to each other yep yeah you used to have funny software configurations you know the stuff i often do come across this because i I, you know it does it i often will put you know in fact just the other day i put an old version of windows 95 into a virtual machine because i wanted to run a game on my computer an old game yeah and i forgot how difficult it was to use Windows 95. Yeah, absolutely. For a start, Windows 95 did not support USB out of the box. Nope. You had to download yeah? the drivers. You had to download special drivers. And it wasn't just a case of just install the drivers and then USB starts working. No, it's no, the You had right to do drivers. all sorts of configuration. It was yeah. it's incredibly hard. So you end up in a situation where just to get software into the virtual machine is really, really difficult. And you're thinking to yourself, this is running on the same computer as... The rest of my stuff, this shouldn't be this hard. But well, it's just I would the go way things... One, I'd go one farther. Go back to the mid-90s and connect a hard drive to your Mac. Should be the easiest thing in the world, right? Oh, I've got SCSI here and I've got SCSI there. Okay, I'm going to put these two drives on. Oh, no, 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 no. Not so fast. A, do you have the right kind of SCSI? Because it was three different kinds. Mm. B, you have to have one set up as a master and one as a slave. And sometimes you actually had to mess with dip switches. 
I mean, yeah. it, just connecting a peripheral back in the day was a pain. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when the Lightning Connect came out, um, people complained, oh, you know, Apple just wants to buy a new cable. I had a conversation with our IT guys the other day about USB 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Th- that conversation basically told me exactly why Apple designed the Lightning Connector. Yeah. Because USB 3 doesn't work very well. No, well, number one, it doesn't stay. Let's say you have a, a networked server, and you just want to put in some cheap storage, so you go buy a USB 3 external hard drive. Well, the computer half the time will forget that that drive is there yeah. over the network. It won't right. share it correctly. Because it's not constant power. It's only when it needs it. And... <laughs> It, it's stupid. It's it's bad technology, but yeah. it's the most popular right now. It's had, fast. I've, yes, it's I've fast. Had, it's fast when it works, but I've yeah. had exactly that same problems. New laptops running Windows 8. I plug a USB 3 hard drive into a port on one side of the machine. Start trying to copy movies off it. This was while I was in San Francisco. And it would do about 500 meg, and then it would collapse. Yeah. And basically, the drive would fall off the system. Yep. And I tried it four or five times. I tried it through a powered USB hub, thought maybe it was power issue. Tried it with the laptop on uh, mains or on battery. It was all the same. You know how I fixed it? I moved it to the other side where there's another USB 3 port. On yeah. that port, it worked fine. Yeah, exactly. Now, those are exactly the sort of things that should not happen nowadays. Absolutely. And the reason that Lightning is there and the reason that Lightning is, is more expensive than a regular cable and all of that is because Apple has put tech technology into the not only the connectors but actually into the cables to resolve all those problems and to come up with a device um that that through a very thin cable the very thin connector can do all sorts of different things it can stream video it can stream audio it can do the file transfers it can do the charging and it can do it all on the fly and they've got something that works reliably it's really really fast i can tell you that yeah uh pulling pulling video from my iphone 5s compared to my 4s Oh my God! <laughs> Just importing the photos in video—it's—it's it's unbelievable. It's so much faster now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And before you guys start accusing us of being just Apple fanboys, well, here's the to thing. Be fair, yeah, to be fair, we are Apple fanboys. Let's yeah, but but yes, 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 yes. I was going to get to that, but <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah. We're not newbies. We're not. Well, we bought a Mac, and that's how we've known. And blah blah blah. We've used all the other stuff out there extensively we're <laughs> you're we are what you might call power users <laughs> yeah we know this stuff yep we're both sat in rooms stacked floor to ceiling yeah it's <laughs> stuff we've used it all we know, we it, know it works it all. we yeah. know it doesn't and we've got a lot of experience of doing this thing apple is clearly the winner but and i'll yeah. and i'll give you this granted i work for a company called mac specialist and we are, you know, an authorized Apple reseller and repair center and, you know, all that. Okay, fine. Yeah. If something better came out, I would be the first to adopt it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm usually an early adopter in technology. Not just Apple technology, but technology. I yeah. love it. I really, really do. And I don't care whose logo is on the device that I'm buying, if it that- works right. That um, that Windows phone I bought while I was away, yeah, I recommended one for my parents. Yeah, and, it's a good uh, phone. I gave it to them, and they're very happy with it. Yeah, it's just what they need. They don't get me wrong; I'm sure they would have been very, very happy with an iPhone, but they didn't want to spend that sort of money. And that's you the know. thing: we try to always be honest about, as a company, when I have a new employee, and David and I live by this ourselves. But as a company, Mac specialist. Uh, I hired a a store manager for Oak Park and a service manager for Kalamazoo. And I had them both start on the same day. Um, I think it would be two weeks this Tuesday. Okay? Mm-hmm. I sat down, and other than the whole, you know, how I like to manage people, which basically came down to a, is don't be an asshole, mm-hmm. um, which sounds like, of course, but you'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> don't Don't be a jerk to people, and they'll like you, and you'll be more effective as a manager. But... We don't sell a solution if it's not the right solution for the customer. And I'm the same way when it comes to dealing with just people. When someone comes up to me and says, what should I get? I don't say, oh, you should definitely buy an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac. It's always, well, what are you doing with it? 
because, and I'll be honest, most of the time it is an Apple product because Apple is that good in so many different markets. But there are times where I've recommended, you know what, I think you'd be a lot happier not getting an iPad because of what you're doing with your drawing and stuff. I think you should go look at the, uh, the Microsoft solution. I'm drawing a blank on it. What is it called? The, uh, I want to say slate. Well, the, the surface, the surface. Thank you. Yeah. Go, go check out a surface because Ooh. that screen is much better for drawing on. It's not just, you know, a line from here to here. You it's pressure yeah. sensitive. And for an artist drawing on a tablet, if you're not looking at for, you know, a desktop solution or even a, a, a laptop solution, you're looking yeah. for just a tablet. The surface is a better friend for an artist than an iPad is. How dare I say that? Oh, you work for an Apple specialist. Oh, you're a Mac fanboy. No, it's a better solution yeah. for them. And that's the point. We sell them the solution that works for them. And when someone asks me my personal opinion, I need more information. What are you doing with it? And if it's the Apple solution, great. If it's not an Apple solution, great. As long as it works for you. Now, some people say these are just tools. Use the right tool. They're more than tools. They're part of our lives now. You don't carry your hammer around with you all day long. You, well, maybe if you're a construction worker, but as soon as yeah. you get off work, you're not carrying that hammer around, but you're still carrying your your phone. You're still messing yeah. with your tablet. So these things are more than just tools nowadays. They really are. Yeah. Get the one that works for you. Don't just take someone else's opinion for what works for you. Don't go up to Wired and read that it was met with a collective meh. Well, sure, by the tech press. They don't see the article doesn't mention that. The no. collective tech press said meh, but obviously we were wrong because nine million were sold in the first weekend. Uh, and again, did you see the weasel words he put in that? Apple says they sold yes, nine yes, million. Yes, yes, you know, yes. There's been an awful lot of people saying, "Oh, we can't believe these numbers." Uh, maybe Apple has, you know. And I'm thinking, Apple are the most transparent company going they're the only company often who give sales numbers yeah you know go find out how many surfaces microsoft lost go ask last amazon year. they won't the tell Kindles you doing yeah they'll they'll say it's their top selling product but they won't give you a number you know yeah. and then you get this oh well you know it how and and these people start talking about selling into the channel and everything and apple doesn't have a channel no, Apple well, doesn't sell stuff to sit in warehouses. No, nope. to wait. Well, they do to have a channel. Out. I'm one of them. Best Buy is. No, one of no, them, yeah, but, but 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 selling into channel, they don't count their numbers like that nope. because they've got a huge they amount say of how retail. Many actually, sold to yeah. the consumer. Nobody else does that. Nobody. We we haven't even touched upon the fact because I don't know if you were aware of this or not, David. Amazon came out with new Kindle Fires this week. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Now I've got the original Kindle Fire. I have no desire to get the new one. Is it better? Uh, I'm sure it is. I, I, I just don't I, use my Kindle Fire now, so why? Is, yeah, the the point is is that actually, if you look at the tablet space now, it's fragmented into two, it's into two parts. There's the bottom end, and that's where the Kindle Fire plays, and that's where the Google Nexus plays, um, and that's where a whole load of cheap Android tablets from China hang around. Yeah, and then there's a higher end where the iPad is, where the Surface is. Um, and, uh, you know, a few of the higher end Google, uh, Samsung tablets play. Yeah. Uh, and, and the market is actually splitting into that. Amazon are, are quite upfront about the fact that they, I make would disagree no with you there though. I got to disagree. Yeah. It's split into two. You're absolutely, absolutely right. It's uh, the well, iPad the, and it's everything the iPad else. And everything else. Yeah, it yeah, really okay. is. It right, really but I, is. But I, I think if you're looking at the Kindle Fire HDX, it's not trying to take on the iPad. It's trying to take on Google. Yeah. Because both Google and Amazon sell devices at cost yep. to try and get people to buy their content or to try and get people to view their content. In Google's case, it's split because they want you to buy their Google Play content, but they also want to put ads in front of you and track what you do. And with Amazon, it's like their walled garden for selling you content. Yep. Okay. And, and that is a very different market approach than Apple has with the iPad. Even though Apple has a walled garden, if you like, for the App Store and the iTunes Store and everything, yeah, they're they're looking at the um, device as a constituent of the whole yeah. rather than as an enabler of the whole. That's whereas right. Amazon and Google are, are, have got a different view. Now, don't get me wrong, 
I, there are people for, who I think the Google Nexus and the Kindle Fire make perfect sense. The HDX looks like a fine machine for the money. They've certainly really uh, upped the specs for without much increase in cost. And I think if you've got somebody who wants a tablet just to watch a lot of video, read books on, and uh, isn't really too into the app ecosystem, I think the Kindle Fire is a fine choice. Yeah, they're money. already big into Amazon. Yeah. If they're already a Prime member, and I am, and that's yeah. what I keep constantly trying to remind people i am a prime member I, I i i use amazon every week i i really like amazon i think they're a fantastic company and i think their solutions are awesome i really do i'm also a google user i use the google yeah. business apps every single day and they're fantastic i i love being able to go to my google drive and create a spreadsheet there instead of doing it in Microsoft Excel and having to send an attachment via email that I just do it there. I, I bring in my collaborators who are also going to work on it and I could see that they're working on it when my windows open. Cause it tells me, Oh, so-and-so is working and I could see what they're doing in real time. It's amazing technology. It absolutely is. And it blows away anything Apple is doing in that, but it completely blows them away. Yeah. So again, if you live in the Amazon world and you're not big into Apple, get a Kindle Fire. Well, my 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 mother bought a Kindle Fire, or I think we bought it for her. I, I forget. Anyway, she has a Kindle Fire. Um, it's, I think it's the second generation Kindle Fire. It's not an HD one. Yeah, so it's quite an old machine. But you know what? She reads books on it. She watches video on it, and she does her email on it, and she browses the web. That's all she wants to do. And for those things, she loves it. Yeah. She absolutely loves it, and an iPad will be an iPad Mini will be wasted on her because she would not go and buy extra apps for it. So she'd be having functionality and capability in the device that she just wouldn't need. So it's not worth her buying the extra, paying the extra money to get an iPad. Yeah, you know, it absolutely fits her bill. But the point is, I think there will be a lot of people who buy Kindle Fires and Google Nexuses who will then find that they want to do more. Yeah, they'll see what. Uh, what iPads can do, they say, "Well, why can't I do that on my device?" And and those are the people I think who are going to be disappointed when they buy these devices or find them on their Christmas tree this Christmas. We had a uh, Nexus Seven at work because some of the training we do requires us to teach not just iOS Seven but the Google side of things too. In fact, I've got a class for um, a group of realtors who have mobile devices that they don't feel like they're getting enough of. So I'm going to have this couple hour class. I'm actually teaching it, which is odd. That's not what I do. I run the company, but you know, sometimes you do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. And so we have a, a Nexus seven. It's the first one came out a year ago. And when I first played with it, I thought it was a pretty nice little device. I really did, but I've heavily invested in, in the app store on iOS. So yeah, there's no brain. I'm, it doesn't do me any good. So I let one of my engineers who's huge into Android. I, I think he likes Android. In fact, I know he likes Android a lot better than he does iOS. He had to bring that device back in last week because I'm going to need it for this realtor class, right? Mm -hmm. And I need to bookmark a few things and load up some apps that they're going to be using. And I said, so you still like this a lot? Because when he first had it, he just he just raved about it. He just loved it. Yeah. And he said, you know what I found out? And this is a smart guy. This is an engineer. He said, you know what I find out is after using it for a while, it starts slowing down a lot. And I don't mean just in one session. I mean over time. It's slower now than it was when it was new. And I don't know why. He completely nuked and paved the whole device with the current or with the newest version of Android. And he says, and yeah. it's still slower than it was when it was new. Yeah, there's a. I, I believe there's a... They use cheap SSD in there, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's that was my suggestion. SSD. I yeah. said, well, uh, you know, it, it can only handle SSD can only handle so many write and reads over its lifetime before it's eventually going to give out. And he says, it's got to be something like that because it's literally yeah. a good quarter slower than it was when it was brand new for just opening stuff, and it shouldn't be. And I said, you're right, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be. And uh, so that's something to keep in mind if you're looking at. Other products that are really cheap, why are they so cheap? What kind of components are they using in there that's making it cheap? Now, again, as a consumer, we're not going to do the investigation to, oh, they're using this chip and that chip or this SSD. No. But if it's cheap, there's a reason it's cheap. Now, Amazon is selling it cheap and at cost because they want you to get into the ecosystem. 
Yeah. Nobody else is doing it like that. Not even Google. Right. But you do have to you do have to be careful about what corners might have been cut to get them down to the price. That uh, was my and, point. And what what length of yeah what length of support what kind of you know is that device going to last you long? I mean the, I I I sent you a picture didn't I? Yeah. When I went away to San Francisco, of somebody uh, sat at um, um, Starbucks in front of me who's using the original iPad. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I sent the picture because I said, "Oh wow, look how thick and heavy it looks compared to the current." It one didn't surprise there. me because my wife yeah. still uses my original iPad. Right, but the point is, is is you know that's a device that okay now with iOS seven you're not getting to play with all the latest stuff now, uh, and there are plenty of, of apps in the App Store now that won't work on the original iPad. But the point is that's a device that's that's kind of stood up for three years. Yeah, yeah. I don't know um, why we're surprised. It's only three years old. Yeah, I, I mean, know. If you, bought a, if you bought a MacBook Pro or an iMac three years ago, it should still be doing pretty dang good, you know? Yeah. By the same token, my two thousand mid-2009 iMac was really starting to give me problems, and it was all 100% hard drive related because I put this SSD in here. It's running right now, David. It's been running the whole time we've been talking. I'm not recording on it. I said last week that I was going to do so. Yeah. Um, I... I I got online just like a minute and a half before we started talking, so I just I was like, "Ugh, I'm I'm not going to do it right now." Um, it's a totally different machine now, totally different. Mm. Just one component upgraded, and it feels like a brand new machine. You can't really do that with iPads and and Android devices, though. You can't change the hard drive. No. So think about it when you're going to buy something. What kind of support you're going to get? I've seen Android seven inch. Eight-inch Android devices now for one twenty-nine, and and yep. they're being marketed as kind of a gaming device. I, I shudder at the thought of what a gaming experience is like on a hundred twenty-nine dollar tablet. It can't be good. It just you wouldn't can't. have thought so. You I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought so. so. And I not, know they're not, not selling well because I asked the guy. This was at GameStop. I said, "What's what's the deal with this?" And he was like. And I had an Apple shirt on to be um, yeah. up front. He goes, yeah, you don't want it. I said, pretty bad. And he was just like, yeah. So, hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Are they right? Is innovation dying? I don't think so. I think the innovation is coming from a user standpoint. And as a whole, not just Apple, but I think as a whole, things are constantly improving and getting better. I think the Kindles are getting better. I know they just released this new one. Yeah. I guarantee you it's probably better than the old ones. It doesn't fit me, but that's not to say it won't fit somebody listening to this or a relative. So get the right things for you, but do a little bit of research and realize if it's that much cheaper, there's probably a reason. <laughs> no such thing as a free lunch. No. Or cheap no. lunch. Well, David, with that, we should wrap up the show. We didn't even take a break this week. Yeah. Um, it happens sometimes. It's pretty rare, but uh, we were uh, on a roll this week, and we really only talked about one thing, didn't we? We did. Yeah. There's a lot more to talk about, though. We'll have to uh, we'll have to catch up next week on some of the uh, laser developments. You know, there's new new gaming devices on the way from from Valve, which yeah, are, are Steam kind OS. of interesting. Yeah, that seems uh, interesting. Yeah, in fact, uh, who was it? Let me. I'm going to pull this up real quick uh, because it was somebody asking. Obviously, he listens to the show, so he knows. Mm. Uh, yeah, Mick Hamlin. He sent me an email on Facebook, and he says, um, "Going to get the, the Valve Steam machine," <laughs> and and I said, "I will." It's just, it's interesting enough for me. I hope Mac yeah. games I have will mean I can download the versions for this platform because I've got Steam. I don't use it yeah. very often, but I've, I've got a few games on there, and boy, it would be great if I could pick this up and actually play those machines, or play those games. Yeah, I, I, me too. I'm interested, uh, particularly once I was kind of, uh, you know, wondering how well it was going to work until I saw that new controller, and that shows that they've really thought about it pretty I hard. I haven't even looked at this. I, so that, I, I read a little bit about it, but I haven't looked at the controller, because when it comes to a new game platform, David, it's it's three things. It's the quality of the games, number one. Yeah. Uh, the price of the system, number two. And the game controller, number three. Those are the three mm. things that I'm going to look for. So now I'm going to have to go look and check out yeah. this controller. Because... They, they, we'll talk about it next week, but they All are right. clearly thinking about how you can take 
PC type type games and run them on the TV without reprogramming them. Um, and the controller is their answer to that. And I, it's it's interesting. I've still got quite a lot of questions, but yeah, I'm. The, I'm, the only uh, thing I'm that bothers just, me is I know different companies will make the Steam boxes themselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. Smacks of the 3DO, uh, 3DS to me. 3D, no, 3DO, 3D, the Panasonic yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, it was like a collaboration, wasn't it? Yeah, well, and like four different companies made the, the yeah. actual hardware, and it was a colossal failure because none of those companies were actually making money. So yeah. I, I'm interested in this. I really yeah. am. And will I pick it up? More than likely. I mean, yeah. I've got a Ouya sitting here yeah. that I still play occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got the, the Wii U. I'm so I'm well I haven't for this entire week I haven't played GTA Grand Theft Auto 5 uh, since the last show I just haven't you've, had the time you've got to get on that you know, know. Those, 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 those ladies of the night who need their um, skulls bashing <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it's something I'm going to pick up I, I have yep. no doubt about it and that because I'm a sucker when it comes to stuff like that but that's my thing I like them I'll pick it up. So, David, let's wrap this up. Uh, We'll see each other next week. uh, Talk and uh, have a good show, hopefully. But I look forward to it, man. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.